Morning, Bob. How you doing? Oh, it's just uh, just looking forward to uh, with optimism to a new year. How about yourself? Oh, I just threw a couple of mesquite logs in the wood stove, <laughs> so I'm doing pretty good. Yes, sir. I guess sounds mighty good. Uh, your first caller uh, uh, brought to mind uh, uh, a project old Malcolm got going on many years ago. Uh, he grew more sweet potatoes in a four by eight bed than anybody on the planet. Yeah, and he grew it in a pretty much inert uh, material. It was a cedar steam cedar flakes. Right. Yep. You know, but what Malcolm? If we just follow the leader, you know, we won't have any problems at all. What he does is he gets the biology established. No matter what you use for a material in the bed. You need to get the biology going, and what he used was a fish emulsion, liquid seaweed, and uh, that molasses that Skyler brings you, that yeah, B-grade yeah. molasses. Right. So he, he used that in the beds, and he was growing sweet potatoes. They weren't quite two foot long, but they were close. <laughs> they're, so, they're about as big as a person can get into their oven. You don't need them any bigger than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that that's... Uh, the, the material in the growing beds is, is not as important as the biology, in my opinion. I, I always get new beds, and at the start of the season, I always double up on the – I don't use fish emulsion. I use uh, the has-to-grow liquid seaweed and the uh, molasses I get from Sky. Sure, sure. Well, and there's so much biology out there, so much life out there, and uh, and and like you say, that's that's what we're aiming at, and it's actually so much easier than it used to be because it seems like uh, once old Michael Amaranthus came up with his way of stabilizing the mycorrhizal fungi, everybody started putting it into their fertilizer products and and other things as well not just the six or eight or ten different species of mycorrhizae but also the beneficial bacteria like the bacillus subtilis that uh, such a good disease controller and uh it's just you know it's you're building the bed that has all the potential and it's just so much easier to inoculate it and just see it take off now yeah it's uh it's the life in the soil and what people don't so many people don't realize it's so synthetic chemical fertilizers and things like canadian peat moss that tend to suppress that life rather than support it and man if we just like malcolm always taught us if we just work with nature rather than fighting nature everything tends to go pretty well well if if you don't get all caught up with the, the components of the raised bed uh just you know get something in there that'll grow a plant and concentrate on your biology like you said you know that's uh that's where you're going to grow some nice plants that are healthy and disease resistant the yep. bugs won't eat up that's that's what the name of the game is whether you're doing it for profit like you're doing or whether you're doing it for good health or if you're just doing it for bragging rights i don't have any problem with that there there are lots of fun reasons to garden and uh you know i uh we're not going to get to visit with howard garrett today he uh has family obligations and they got a uh, note from him last night that we'd have to pick it up again next week but i wanted to talk with him about a a few New Year's resolutions, and I tell you, one of mine is just to raise people's awareness of how 
badly contaminated so much of the food stuff we're getting in the grocery store is these days and encouraging people to buy from farmers markets and from guys on the side of the road like yourself and just aim at your own health you know get yourself healthier by eating good clean food so yeah that's uh we've, we've got big challenges in front of us in 2019 and uh, i'm sure looking forward to it yeah, the lettuce is coming in really good this time of the year inside the hoop house. That's, uh, oh, man. <laughs> uh, I'm having a salad twice a day. I was going to say, there are a lot of people that come the first of the year are going to be swearing off the sugars and eating more salads. So, uh, like you say, it's... Uh, uh, it, well, it, not just the lettuces, but all the different greens out there that are so easy to grow. My spinach is coming on pretty good. I got it in fairly early, and uh, um, it's it's looking good. And uh, there's just so many things that you don't have to sit in. You don't have to spend all of your time in by that uh, mesquite fire. There are lots of things you can plant, lots of things to do out in the garden uh, any time in January. There's still plenty of things we can plant. Yes, sir. Uh there's, I'm a big, I transplant, man. I, you know, I do soil blocks and I transplant. So a lot of my lettuce growing and plant growing is done in my little greenhouse. Uh huh. Uh, and then I just use the garden just to finish the crop. Sure. And for the, the bigger growers, the bigger gardeners, uh, you ought to try growing lettuce uh, in cell trays or, or uh, soil blocks or something that you can transplant out it's, well, uh, it's really rewarding and it's uh, it's quick i was really interested last week you were telling us about those uh new little uh seed blocks that you're getting from bright ideas with combination of core and earthworm castings and mycorrhizae those sound like just an ideal medium for getting a lot of these uh getting a lot of things started so i have to get out and see troy and get some of those for myself but i want to put the shoe on a different foot i want to ask you a totally different question and that is is there anything looking back over the years that you say that did not work out that's one thing i'm not going to do in the garden this year oh gosh (laughs) <laughs> I've been so successful, I don't know what to do. Well, and that's fine, too. That's fine, too. I just, uh, you know, I, I just I just wondered if, if there are any things. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking out there and thinking, well, I'm going to grow a little bit more of this, and I'm going to grow a little bit less of that. And, you know, I spent too much time uh, picking on this particular crop, on something like okra that has to be picked every single day. Maybe I'm going to grow a little bit, a few shorter varieties. Maybe I'm not going to plant quite such a long row. I'm going to, you know, concentrate on growing smaller. I think that's one thing that I'm going to do this year. I'm going to concentrate on call, growing smaller numbers of more things. I want to, I want to do a little bit more experimenting. I want to get some different varieties out there. I want to get some, try some different things that we haven't tried and, you know, maybe not plant one long row of, uh, you know, of something that I've done in the past, but maybe plant four different things in that same row so i know with you you know you're doing it for commercial purposes you have a uh, uh you know you have a market to meet but i i guess if i'm going to change anything this year like i say i'm probably going to grow the same big garden but i'm gonna grow more different varieties in there and and keep better notes that's that's sort of one of my new year's resolutions to change things well i kicked okra out uh of the of the lineup it's just the uh, there's not enough old-time hillbillies left to support, you know, <laughs> a, a big row of okra, and it's such a, 
uh, I mean, you've got to get it sold. You got to get it in the refrigerator. It's 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 just. Well, uh, we're 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 gonna have a big for me. a big pot of so gumbo for New Year's Eve. So everybody needs a little bit of okra. But um, yeah, that that's the whole idea. You know, it's just figuring out uh, what what is most beneficial to you to grow. Well, those cut flowers are real popular. When the little old ladies come to get their tomatoes, they're always happy to to go through the cut flowers, and that's that's something that's easy to grow and is real popular with the consumers. Uh, and what all do you the, what all do you grow in your cutting garden? Well, mainly the branching sunflowers. Mm-hmm. The big big zinnias, the uh, Benary series, uh-huh. zinnias, and the, I think it's a sensation Cosmo. Yeah, yeah. They're all real big. They all grow tall. You don't have to bend over too far to cut them. And they're really hardy. They they kind of go into the real hot summer, mm-hmm. and you'll get a few cuts. And they don't require all that much water on the gripper. Very good. Do you do anything this time of year? Do you grow any stock or snapdragons or any of those things? No, I'll leave that to you, professional. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that designation, but uh, well, listen, it's uh, always such a pleasure to visit with you, and um, glad, uh, glad you're sitting in front of that warm fire. I know you're going to have a busy day once the sun comes up, so uh, I appreciate you checking in with us, James. Always good to visit. Thanks for taking my call, Bob, and y'all have fun in the garden. We'll do it, sir, and we'll talk again. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Ah, we're going to talk to Lewis and Rhonda. A couple of open lines. Grab one if you like. 210-599-5555. I say good morning, Lewis. Good morning, Bob. Morning, sir. I've got a couple, three questions this morning. The first one is about dividing canna lilies. I live on the coast in some pretty rich soil. And I've got a nice stand of canna lilies. In fact, they're still mostly green. The tops are frosted back a little bit. But when when could I divide those? When is the best way and process for dividing cannas? Now, you're saying canna, C-A-N-N-A? Yes, not uh, okay. cannas. Yeah, canna. I was going to say, because calla lilies are, are another fun plant. Cannas, of course, are not really a bulb. Cannas are a rhizome. And if I were going to mm-hmm. compare it to other things, it would be things like iris, things like some of your gingers. And you mm-hmm. can actually, especially where you are, today would be a fine day to get out and uh, and divide uh, and and replant cannas where you like. Now, I always leave at least three to four inches of rhizome, uh, you know, along with, uh, that's probably going to have one or two shoots coming up off of it. At this point, I think you might as well, if you want to go ahead and do your dividing and transplanting, go ahead and cut the tops back on them. They're not going to you know, really do that much. It's not going to benefit them that much to still have green leaves on them this time of the year. And uh, this is as close as we get to a dormant season on them. So, yeah, I would go ahead and uh, dig, divide, replant what you like. If you want to save some of them back to 
share with friends or whatever. Um, there uh-huh. are a couple of different ways to do it. You can, of course, pot them up and uh, get your nursery to give you an old leftover gallon nursery cans or something. You can go ahead and pot them up. Or if you don't want to give away all that good soil, uh, just pack them in perlite. I mean, clean them as best you can. Trim the roots back to about three inches long. Cut the tops down to maybe a couple of inches. And if you want to store them, you can just uh, bury them in a you know in a big pot full of perlite, dry perlite. Uh, it's one thing that I do still recommend using Canadian peat moss for. I don't like putting it into the garden because it's so antimicrobial. But as something to store bulbs or rhizomes or whatever in i think it's ideal because it tends to suppress those things that would cause rots and other problems so uh whenever you want to do the work i think you're you know we're we're at a time that you get out get out and work that can of bed over it's amazing I think you'll be surprised if this bed is of any size. I know we planted some of uh, one of the varieties with colorful foliage, and uh-huh. they just got totally out of hand after a couple of years, and we went back and dug up about an eight-foot length of that, and I think we ended up with about 150 divisions on that plant, most of which we gave back to the grower that would gotten our original plants just to keep on growing them. So be prepared uh-huh. to, uh, to find a lot of good transplantable material in there. Good, good. Now, very similar, what about amaryllis? My wife's got a beautiful collection of amaryllis. Well, and we haven't divided them in three, two, three years. Let them, uh, at this point, um, have they started putting on any green growth at all? Uh, no, no. And then you can go ahead and do I this. Didn't, I, didn't look, I didn't look in the past day or two, and it's been in the 60s and 70s, you know, pretty much on off the past whole week i you could go ahead and do it now i you better get it done soon because with the first little bit of warm weather uh they're going to jump up and bloom for you and you certainly don't want to pass up the gorgeous blooming on those things and you will set them you're going to set them back a little bit anytime you dig and divide the ideal time to do this would have been about august or so when the foliage started dying back but because they have Uh, the time, because they haven't started growing, if they really need to be divided, you could do that at this time of year. But once you see the first shoots coming out, um, better wait until they finish their blooming and then better wait until they finish that growing season where they've put all that energy back down into those bulbs. So, uh, um, if you can do it, do it right away. Otherwise, uh, late summer is the best time to be doing okay. your, your amaryllis. I, I did not. Okay. Are these the big, fancy uh, European, uh, what we call Dutch amaryllis, the hippie astrums, or are these good old American hardy amaryllis? You know, I really don't know the difference. All I know is they have big, colorful bulbs, and they're striped, and she's got all different shades and colors of them. And and the bulbs themselves, are they two, three inches in diameter or four or five inches in diameter? Um, probably four to five. Okay. Now, those are probably the Dutch forms. Uh, the, the culture is the same on them. Uh, sounds like you're in a, in a reasonably warm area. The Dutch ones are not as cold hardy as the American mm-hmm. amaryllis, but, uh, where you are, gosh, you know, you're, you're very unlikely, you know, one year out of 50 years, you may get enough cold to do them some damage. So, um, just, just be aware of that. And, if uh, all on earth I would do, if there were some very severe weather forecasts, I'd just get out and dump an extra inch or two of mulch on the top of them, and that'll protect them through anything they're going to ever get in Texas. Okay, okay. The last uh, question I had, I've got some pasture I'm renovating that's pretty wore out. Uh-huh. And I've got it dissed up. I'm fixing to plant in some, just some 
uh, organic, excuse me, some uh, cover crops to till okay. and get the organic matter up. I've got some hairy vetch and some winter peas and some daikon radish. I'm doing 10, 15 acre sections at a time. Okay. And I've got a big compost tea brewer built up. When would you start putting on that compost tea? I've got a 15 foot sprayer goes back in the ATV that I'm going to use. It's cleaned out. There's never a bad time, never a bad time to do it because we Uh have so many different kinds of microbes. We have psychrophilic microbes that uh, are the cold loving ones that are quite active at this time of year. As it starts warming up in the spring, we get what are called mesophilic types. And then as we get into the hot summer, we have thermophilic types. So uh, you want to brew your your compost tea at your ambient temperatures. Don't be brewing it inside the barn and getting, you know, your real, your, your high temperature microbes all excited and reproducing like mad and then take them out and spray them in 40 degree weather. That's counterproductive. But do your brewing at, uh, you know, whatever the outside temperature is. In other words, have your brewer outside and that way you'll be stimulating those microbes, which are active at any given time. And there's never a bad time to, uh, you know, to be doing your compost tea. I mean, 12 months out of the year, it's a benefit. Uh, are you inoculating your vetch before you put it out? Yes. yes. Okay. I've got the, yeah, that, the inoculator for the vetch and for uh, the, the peas and put yeah. it in there. So I'm just going to grow this stuff for about 90 days, and then I'm going back in with pasture. All I'm doing is just something to hold the ground until oh, yeah. it warms yeah. up. Well, you're, as, you're, it back, it back in. as you're indicating, you uh, – uh, you know, you're uh, you're building organic material, but you're also putting some nitrogen in the soil. Uh, only thing I'd think about is if you run cattle, uh, just uh, rather before you disc it in, just let them put them in those pastures and let them graze it down low because you're not getting that much benefit from the uh, foliage on it. Uh, it would be great forage for the for your livestock, whatever they are. Let them go in there and nibble it back and then go in and disc it lightly. Um, and yeah, get, that's my plan exactly. I'm yeah. saying I'm going to graze it once it comes up a bit. Do, do you still have any ladybug revitalizer on the yard? Uh, we've got, uh, probably about 10 pallets of it less, I, I think. Okay. Okay. Cause I'm going to make a run that way and get, get some more. Cause I was keeping it on hand for the, we're just using it for the yard itself. Well, yeah. we'd always look forward to seeing you. We'll close uh, about noon on New Year's uh, Eve and then close New Year's Day. But other than that, we won't close again till Easter. So we'll look forward to seeing you. I'll stay off the roads on New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> New Year's Eve, <laughs> probably after that. Yeah, there, there, there are better things to do at that point. <laughs> All right, thank you, Bob. Good show as always. Always my pleasure, Lewis. Thanks for the call. Bye. All right, back to gardening. Uh, let's go straight back to the phone lines. We're going to talk to Rhonda and then Carol, and Rhonda's up first. Good morning, Rhonda. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. And Happy New Year, almost. <laughs> it's it's going to be here before we blink twice, and I certainly wish you and your family two-legged and four-legged the same. <laughs> Bob, in the November time frame, when that cold front came in, right, it got so cold. Yeah, my it my primrose jasmine and my viburnums are just burnt. They've got mm-hmm. brown leaves on all of it. And what happened is with all that rain we had September, October, 
they got confused and decided to put on a bunch of little tender growth, which didn't have time to harden off. And, you know, I'm seeing this on Asiatic jasmine. I'm seeing it on things that, you know, that go much colder most times before they suffer any damage. And we've just got that brown layer up on top. And uh, uh, the choice is yours. Now that we are into... Probably, you know, a, a long, cooler, if not really colder stretch. If you want to go in and just take three inches off the top to make them look nicer, you certainly can. Um, I would warn you on the primrose jasmine that you are going to be sacrificing flowers because, of course, it's one of the earliest things to bloom in the spring. Yes. And uh, if it were my yard... Uh, I probably would trim back the viburnum and just put up with the ugliness on the jasmine till after it's bloomed. And that primrose jasmine, I mean, that stuff, as they say, uh, give it an inch and it'll take a yard, your yard. And yes. <laughs> so I, I prune That's mine very statement. heavily, you know, every year. But I, I'm going to hold off on the jasmine but trim back the viburnum uh, just, just for appearance's sake. But you think, but they're not dead. They're going to oh, come no. back, right? Oh, they're going to come back gangbusters. They've just, okay. uh, it's just like having a bad hair day. You know, they're having a bad hair season and they're going to look lousy. And then, you know, a month after the new growth comes out, you're not even going to see the old, uh, burned leaves but it just it it just this is one case when uh you know i use pruning shears rather than head shears for most things but if you had that you know old long bladed head shear this is one time i wouldn't hesitate on that uh, viburnum just to go through and whack the whole top off of it but just a couple of inches just enough to make it look nicer yeah okay well i was concerned about that and i just I just wanted to double-check with you before I did something stupid. <laughs> well, you're not going to do anything stupid on that. Now, we've still got January in front of us. Who knows uh-huh. what uh, – but, you know, it would have to get in the – oh, probably in the single digits uh, to do as much damage as that first freeze did when it was just in the upper 20s. It's just that it it caught everything in an active growth phase rather than in a phase where it's, you know, kind of hardened off and gotten ready for winter. So uh, um, it's strictly up to you. Uh, and, and like I say, all you're doing now is cutting that dead tissue. It's just like cutting your fingernails or cutting your hair. Yeah. You just, all you're doing is taking off dead tissue. So if it make it look nicer and you've got the time and energy to do it, it's a good excuse to be outside. Well, I've listened to you for years talk about don't trim this time of year because it might, the, you know, they'll set them back because of cold front coming through. Right. But now I've seen what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and Mother Nature did it to us with uh, with a drought followed by rain, whereas what I'm always concerned about is pruning at the wrong time. But, you know, yeah. learning experience. Yeah. Well, thanks a million, Bob. Have a blessed year. You do Take the care. same. Look forward to visiting again. Thank you, okay. Rhonda. Bye. Bye. Okay, Carol's turn. Good morning, Carol. Hi, Bob. Hi there. I just want to make sure I have, remember the proper procedure for cutting back lantanas. I think I trim them to what, about two to three inches? I would do that, and then I would put down a little fertilizer, and I'd put uh, enough mulch over the top to cover you know, those, those, uh, that two or three inch stub you leave up and looking at mine, when I get down that low, I'm actually getting into some green tissue that I really don't want to freeze back any further. It's just the whole mm-hmm. top's got frozen back. So, 
Yeah, that's on my agenda for uh, probably New Year's Eve or maybe New Year's Day to get the rest of mine cut back. But, yeah, just cut them down two, three inches, put some fertilizer down, put some mulch on top, and then all you have to do is uh, water it every two or three weeks if we don't get rainfall. And with the rains that we have got all all got this past week, it's going to be a while for you. You're going to have to even think about giving them more moisture. Okay, and has to grow liquid is okay, right? Has to grow liquid's fine. The granular, like the Medina Growing Green or uh, Nature's Creations uh, Premium Lawn Food, they will be longer lasting. But the uh, has to grow uh-huh. liquid is fine, just the same. It's just when I'm using a liquid like has to grow, I want to do it once a month. If I'm using the dry granular, I can get by with uh, doing mm-hmm. it about once every three months. Uh, you have the Growing Green? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Oh, and Happy New Year. And Happy New Year to you, Carol. Thanks for the call this morning. (laughs) You're welcome. Bye. Goodbye. All right. Back to gardening, and uh, let's get straight back to the phone lines. We're going to talk to Cynthia and James and Bev, and Cynthia's up first. Good morning, Cynthia. Good morning. Good Good morning. Um, I have a couple of questions. First of all, my salvia gregii is huge. Right. And I would like to bring it back to maybe about three feet mm-hmm. tall. How and when do I go about it? Because I see it does have some green down at the bottom. Right. But then it's got a lot of sparse area and then more green and such. So how do I go about bringing well, it Well, since back? you have that green at the bottom, since you wouldn't be taking all the foliage off of it, go ahead and cut it back today or whenever it's convenient for you. You know, that's the thing. I never recommend taking off all of the foliage, or really, for that matter, probably taking off more than maybe 50% of the foliage at any one time. But salvia gregii just gets out of hand. Um, I would, if you don't have time to cut it back immediately, you can go all the way up till the middle of February would still be what I would consider an ideal time. In fact, if I were going to pick the very best time to prune back salvia gregii, it probably would be that first couple of weeks in February. But, you know, the closer we get to spring, the busier my life gets. And so um, if you've got the time to do it, uh, granted, because you have that new green growth down at the bottom, you can cut it back any time you'd like, and you can cut it back as far as you like, as long as you don't go below, you know, a foot or so. And you're talking about cutting it back to three feet, and that's basically just a light haircut on it. So uh, go for it whenever you're ready. I personally would cut it back a little bit further, just so you won't have to cut it back again quite as soon. Okay, so I could bring it down a little bit lower? Absolutely. Oh, okay. I just didn't want to kill it. No, salvia gregia, is is yours the hot pink or what color is yours? Yes, it is a pink. Yeah, that's the one that that I think responds to pruning best. The red form just gets so leggy and straggly. I think about every five to seven years, you just have to dig that up and replace it. But that hot pink form, man, that'll go for years and years and years. The hummingbirds love it. The bees love it. And it blooms uh, in my yard and probably in yours, probably blooms eight months out of the year. So I think it's just one of the best plants you can plant and besides that it doesn't need much water that's wonderful because it is out at the edge of the street and i just don't like to get out that far with a hose sometimes. <laughs> so well it. well it's good to know that i can bring it down right now and it's not going to kill sure. it if we get another freeze no and just uh, again it would appreciate a little fertilizer a little mulch over the top and throw all those clippings in your compost pile don't put them out for the for the landfill, we're putting too much stuff in that we shouldn't anyway, but you already know about that. So uh, you just get out and have a good day and have a happy new year. Well, thank you. Quick question. Yeah. 
about the uh, Medina Growing Green. Yeah. Can I put that on my lawn now, or do I need to wait until no. later in the spring? Put it out now. If you haven't fertilized in the past three months or so, uh, perfect time to put it out. Because of the chemical structure of organic fertilizers like Medina's Growing Green, mm-hmm. they don't wash away. I mean, if you're using those synthetic products that we don't like, you'd be totally wasting your time with that. But the Growing Green is going to help keep the root systems of your plants very active and very healthy in the winter months none of it's going to go away it's going to give you a much stronger burst of spring growth on things than if you waited until march to put it out so i think it's an ideal time to be fertilizing as long as you're using the good organics and you certainly are okay okay and last question i have some of that bed straw coming out yeah other than pulling it out, is there anything else I can do? Is it in your lawn? Where is it coming out? Yes, it's coming out in the lawn, and it's even crept a little bit into one of the beds. Is your Has your grass browned out with the frost and all? It's some brown and some green. And what, what kind of grass? St. Augustine. Yeah. I would, the other option um, is to get out and spray with vinegar and orange oil. Uh, you're not gonna. You may you may brown out a little bit. You may damage some of the green on your Saint Augustine, but you're not gonna do it serious harm. And uh, considering that most of the grass is brown, it'd be a whole lot easier. And bed straw, especially at this young stage, you'll kill it within you know 15 minutes with just that vinegar and orange oil mix. So if you got a big area to do, I wouldn't hesitate. Just spray lightly, just enough to coat the bed straw without really soaking it very far down into the. Uh, you know, thatched grass, and uh, that should be the easiest way to get after it. No, some of it's not that that much, but I don't like it because it sticks to everything, and <laughs> and some of it gets in the corners where it's hard for me to pull. I understand. I find the same thing. Uh, not so much in my yard as in my vegetable garden, and man, it uh, it's amazing how fast it can grow and how thick it can get. It's amazing. You're right. But uh, now, while it's while it's young and just getting started, uh, I, I would go with vinegar and orange oil just because okay. you can cover a large area in a hurry. And uh, if you do a little minor damage to the foliage on your St. Augustine, I mean, it's going to turn brown probably. Um, like I say, we're looking at uh, very definitely frost weather a couple of mornings this next week, so I don't mm-hmm. think you have anything to lose. I thank you so very much for your time and for the advice. I appreciate it immensely. My pleasure. You have a wonderful week, a wonderful new year, and we'll talk again. All right, now we get back to phone calls. It's going to be James and Bev, and then whoever wants to call in next. Good morning, James. How you doing, Bob? I'm great, sir. How about you today? I'm doing okay. I'm just wondering how much colder it's going to get. <laughs> well, my my forecast, not that I believe anything I see from the different forecasting agencies i'm i'm showing 24 degrees in bernie next uh next wednesday morning but between now and then uh we're going to be somewhere in the low 30s the upper 30s and that's gonna, not going to cause any problem for anything that shouldn't already be inside i was listening to you talking to the lady before and she was talking about salvias and you had told her that she could cut them back and what we were talking about were the evergreen salvias and 
the two main ones that that's going to include is going to be the salvia leucantha, the Mexican bush sage, and the salvia gregii is what we call cherry sage, even though they come in a lot of different colors these days. Uh, the thing is, I just would never take all the foliage off. And uh, since she was saying that hers had a lot of new green leaves down at the base that was not the part of the plant she was going to be cutting on, I was telling her, go ahead and do it. Now, your tender salvia is the, uh, oh, gosh, the uh, uh, the so-called mealy cup sage, the salvia um, coccinia, the, those sages. Uh, they've already frozen. You might as well go ahead and cut them down to ground level because they typically wow. freeze to the ground. But the evergreen ones, uh, yeah, if you want to do some light pruning on them, as long as you're not taking all the foliage off, I think, think you're okay to go well, ahead and do that. Let me, let, me, let me tell you what I got, Bob. I got, I got some esperanzas that's in the ground. I got lemongrass that's in the ground. Uh-huh. And I got, I, got, I got cigar plants. I got fire bushes. I got hummingbird bush. Uh, I got cigar plants. Uh, it, most of these are in pots. Okay. Can all these be cut back or should I wait? Um, well, anything that is raised up uh, out of the ground is more susceptible to freeze damage. Now, I'll tell you on lemongrass, you better drag that inside. Lemongrass will freeze and die over the winter months. That's it. That's in the ground. Oh, that's in the ground. Okay, mulch it heavily, and the one thing I recommend on lemongrass is always dig up a couple of little sprigs off the side, put them in pots and bring them inside, because if we get a cold winter, lemongrass can die completely. Um, so that's, that's yes, one okay. thing I would protect a little bit. Uh, the other things, I probably wouldn't prune them heavily, but things like the Esperanza, um, you know, make it more manageable. Firebush is going to die all the way to the ground, so you might as well go yeah, ahead okay. and yeah, cut it all the way back. Uh, your cigar plant, things like that. Give them a little haircut to make them look a little nicer. And if we get super cold, they're probably going to freeze back further. But uh, the only two that I would... Uh, uh, that I'd really tell you something different on will be the firebush, which is absolutely go ahead and cut it back, and the lemongrass, which is mulch it and protect it, because that's the one that's really okay. in danger of severe freeze well, damage. I've talked to you before, and you talk, I, I've, I've got some big trees planted, uh-huh. and I got them in the ground before it got real cold, yeah. a couple months before, and you told me that was good to get some root system going for it. Absolutely, yeah. Should I cut those back, or should I wait? No, wait on those things, and uh, you probably don't really even need to cut them back at all unless you just want to encourage branching, but your new figs, I very definitely those have those things mulched and fed. If we go for two or three weeks without rain, give them a little bit of supplemental water over the winter months, but uh, they're good to go. No reason to do anything at all to them other than just mulch them and water if we get dry. I've, I've been I've been using that uh, that has to grow. Yeah. And you had told me, I listened to you earlier, and you said some of that other stuff, that growing green is better. Well, not you better. You don't have to do it as often, right? Well, yeah, it's different. Uh, the has to grow being in a liquid form is more readily available to the plants, but it also gets used up by the microbes and by the plants more quickly. And I use both. But what I will do, like at the beginning of the growing season in my vegetable garden, I'll go ahead and work the growing green in the ground because I know that's going to carry me for three months if I don't get around to doing anything else. But then right. when we get later into the season, I'm using the has to grow or another good liquid. I'm using that every two to three weeks. So, um, you know, it's it's just kind of like uh, you're going to eat meat and potatoes and you're going to eat different things at different times. And uh, they're going to but, – but both products are very good. Just one of them you have to do a little bit more often. Can, can you use that growing green on, on just about everything? 
I, you can you can use it on everything out there now things in containers i tend to go more with liquid than granules but uh right, you're right, growing okay, green yeah use that on anything you like okay bob you've answered my question thank you very much my pleasure james thank you all right, bye all right bev's turn governor bev Good morning. How are you this morning? Oh, just uh, just looking forward to another good day. I've got I've got a little more house cleaning to do before New Year's, but hey, that's uh, oh. that comes with the uh, with the territory. That's right. <laughs> well, sir. Okay, I have um, two questions, um, but one is about my Romanesco. Uh, I don't know if it's broccoli or cauliflower. I'm not sure which it is either, but I certainly know the plant. Right. Well, mine isn't forming any heads. The foliage and, mm-hmm. you know, they seem very healthy except no heads. Just be patient. I, be patient. Okay. They're slow. And when they form heads, kind of like cauliflower, keep an eye on them and harvest mm-hmm. them because uh, they will go from being really neat and really unusual and really delicious to, you know, how cauliflower heads kind of open up if you don't cut them at yes. the proper time. Your Romanesco is uh-huh. going to be more like cauliflower in that regard. But be patient. I, you know, I, I'm not at all concerned. It may be another 30 days before they make heads. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, because my broccoli is heading and, you know, I've been mm-hmm. eating that the last month it's always but, always the first and fastest yes and very delicious <laughs> <laughs> yes it is your romanesco will be as well but it's it's yeah. it's much slower to produce so uh nothing at all unusual there